Well, praise the Lord. Here's what I want to do to kick off the sermon today. Um, and uh, I still, still see you guys are, hey, that's a, good, that's a good problem to have. You know, that's a, like a 40-second video. And normally, for, for the longest time, that would be plenty of time for the ushers to pass the buckets here. But they're still finishing passing the buckets. That's awesome. That means we've got some increase in, uh, in attendance. And we've got additional, we were talking with uh, some of the, the load-in crew. Our load-in crew is growing. And, and uh, so we were training new people this morning. And they were talking about how we've added additional chairs. And I didn't even realize it, but our, we have a chair diagram to kind of make sure everyone knows how the chairs should be outlined. How many of y'all know we do things right at Family Worship Center? Amen. We don't just throw it together and throw the chairs in there. You know, we wanted to look right. We wanted to feel right. And so they were saying, well, man, everything's real symmetrical. And I said, yeah, I get it from, I get it, you know, I get that from Pastor Steve. I get it honest. He's, he's, he's really, I mean, it's, it's just symmetrical. And so, you know, you, I've worked for him for uh, 10 plus years. And so that, you, that rubs off on you. Anyways, we've added a lot of chairs in the last couple months. And it's really, it's really cool. I want to tell you some things that are happening at the church. I, 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 there's some testimonies that have come across uh, my desk that are pretty amazing. Number one, uh, this, I'm going to tell you about a lady and I'm going to tell part of her testimony because it's still in development and I asked her to film it or film herself and, and send us the rest of the video uh, or the rest of her story. Because uh, at the very beginning of the church, we had a few families um, connect with us early on and uh, we would do church on Sundays and we didn't do a Wednesday night service like we do now. We did a Thursday night Bible study. Just curious, who was here for the Thursday night Bible studies? One, two, okay, two. Everyone else is, is new, right? I think we had just stopped that when, y'all, when you guys were coming. And uh, uh, this family had been back from the, the, those early days. And they um, had attended Family Worship Center in Florence. And they're traveling nurses. And so they both are nurses. They both travel around. And um, so they were with us for like six months or something like that. And then they, they moved to a different place. That's what their job does. But they stayed connected online and continued to watch online and stay connected with us. And of course, COVID happened and, and they've stayed in touch. And every once in a while, we, they, were able, they would be able to come back in person. Well, they're living in South Carolina now, but um, I'm not sure where, but, but far from here. So that's why you still don't, don't see them every Sunday. But, um, and again, I'm going to be careful because I I want it to be her testimony. I don't want to share anything she wouldn't want me to share. But she had a condition arise that was just, um, uh, it was supposedly a simple condition to begin with, but it just got worse. And um, it was like like an ear infection is what it started with. But then it became other things. And then it became very painful. So painful that, I mean, it was unbearable for her. Un- unbearable. She was like, like in, in utmost pain. Um, and so she, she, um, had told her husband some things and he called me. He was like, pastor, he actually left me a voicemail. It was a Tuesday night. We were doing youth and I couldn't answer because we were getting ready for the youth service. And he said, pastor, you, you don't understand. My wife's in so much pain. I need to know what to do. I need, we need prayer. She needs prayer. And so I called him back the next day and I said, listen, uh, you know, can, can you guys make it to service tonight? Because now it's Wednesday, we have Wednesday night service. And he said, we're already on the way. And I said, well, praise God, you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. That's great. That's what I had on my heart. As I'm talking to him, um, the verse in James comes up in my spirit, which talks about um, um, if anyone among you is sick, 
Let him call on the elders of the church and they'll anoint them, the sick person, with oil and they'll be healed. And, and I said on the phone, I'm, I'm going to anoint you with oil tonight because it just was in my spirit. Brother Chuck, the music's back. I can hear it. Sorry, y'all. I'm a detailed guy and it bothers me. I'm sorry. But I, it, there we go. I think it went away. I don't know if y'all can hear it, but it's, it's, it's like this hovering ethereal music. And I'm just like, wait a second. Is that an angel? No, it's not an angel. It's the music. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so anyways, so I said, that's great. Come tonight and I'm gonna, uh, we're going to anoint you with oil. And so they said, all right, well, you know, of course, we've got to drive back and all that. We don't know if we'll stay for the service. And I said, that's okay. But they came and, um, uh, and, and when they got here, I felt like I re- y'all really need to stay for the service. And they had already kind of, I guess, thought the same thing. So they said, we're going to stay. And so, um, man, we, we got into worship. It was a great atmosphere in here. And everybody, the, the, the faith of the room was, was tangible. Everybody was just expecting a move of God that Wednesday night. And so I, I kind of and built everyone's faith a little bit on those scriptures and called them forward. Now, I've prayed for a lot of people. I've laid hands on a lot of people. And the Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's another scripture. So, of course, we know we can lay hands on the sick with or without anointing oil. But the verse in James says that you can do that. So you don't have to use anointing oil, but that's included in that. And so I had the anointing oil ready, meaning that it's, it's, it's oil that we've, we've anointed for this purpose. And um, I called the, them forward, slapped that oil in my hand. And I'm telling you, you know, if, you, if you've never, if you're, if you're new to churches that lay hands on people, it, it, it's a little bit like, it may seem a little bit different or whatever, but the only way I can explain it is just like you have water running to your house. Every one of us has water running to your house. You have a, if you live in the city or whatever, or you have a well, but somehow there's water and it's running into your house. But there's, there's a valve at the start of your house, and every house that's been built for the last 60 or 70 years has this. It has a cutoff valve. And if that valve is off, you still have water running to your house, but that valve becomes a conduit for the, for the house to receive the water. And when you release that valve, the house gets water. The water's there, but the valve is the conduit. And, and so sometimes I believe that's why, not sometimes, but I believe that's why God uses this as a method for people. It's not the only way you can get healed. You can get healed, and I've heard of people just praying in their bedroom, or God come and visit them wherever, in a hospital room, no one in the room, and, and, and God come in and touch them because of their faith. Brother Hagen, who's a great man of faith, he said that. He was in the room by himself, and God came in and touched him, and he was healed of, of an incurable disease. And preached for, I don't know how many years, touched hundreds of thousands of lives. Nobody laid hands on him. But sometimes that happens. And I'm telling you guys, when I, I put that oil in my hand and laid hands on her forehead, I, 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 it was the most powerful time for me that I've ever felt God use me as a conduit. And her faith, because I, I already knew her faith was there because as I began to talk to her, she said, oh no, I'm healed. Now, she's sitting there with unbearable pain, but her faith was not in me. Her faith was in our God to heal her body. And she said, that pain, I told my mom on the phone, I love faith like this. She said, I told my mom on the phone, that faith is, I mean, that pain is leaving me tonight. 
Now that's faith. She's standing there with, and I could see it on her. I could see it on her. As she's talking, I could see her wincing a little bit. And I could, I could, I could sense her kind of favor in that side of her head a little bit. I could see it. Anyways, I laid hands on her and, and the power of God hit not just her, but if you were here, the whole place. The whole place. It just lit up in here. And, and, and the, it was just amazing to see. Well, she left here with no pain. No pain. And the pain never came back. She had an interesting development after that. She told me a little bit about, and, and, and that's why I want her to share the full testimony, because I wanted y'all to hear it from her. But she came in. She said that morphine, listen to this, morphine or something like that, some, some over the, not over the counter, like prescribed drug could do nothing for her pain. She came in and one touch by the Holy Spirit, pain left her body. Here's another one. We have a family that watches online. I'm telling you all these stories because you might not know these families if I didn't tell you their stories. But we have a family um, um, in Indiana. And they, they have, uh, uh, they, they've been watching online. They're connected with one of the families in the church, the Jackson um, um, Samantha, I mean, not Samantha Jackson, that's you guys. I was actually trying to not say your name, and I said your name. We have two Jacksons. But Jerry and Ashley Jackson, they're connected to them, they're, they're family. And so they've been watching online, and um, he called me or, or asked me to call him or whatever, and I called him one night, it was a Sunday night. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I, I am full of faith, but sometimes I'm just human. I was tired that Sunday night. I was not really looking forward to the phone call in the natural. I was tired. I was tired. And so, and so um, we started talking, and, and he's telling me about what's going on with a family member of, of his wife's. And um, this, this young man had been diagnosed with leukemia. And the, the situation and the results and all that were all just, just tracking for bad. They were just bad. And so he's telling me stuff. I'll be honest with you, because I was tired, I don't even remember all the details. But this is how, I'm, I'm telling you the stories because I want y'all to hear how God works, how the Holy Spirit works, because that's what we're celebrating today on the day of Pentecost. On Pentecost Sunday is the Holy Spirit. As I began to, to because I'm a pastor, I, I wanted to encourage him. I'm not going to just leave him, you know, and I could just say a simple prayer, but I wanted to encourage him. As I began to talk out God's word and declare God's word over his family and over the the. I think it's a nephew or a cousin or something like that. I'm not quite sure of the relation, but I'm going to say nephew for the sake of the story. And as it began, I began to just talk about the nephew and say, man, let me tell you what God's word says. And I know he already knew that, but I began to talk about it. I was no longer tired in my body. I actually got kind of, you know, amped up. You know, I was just, I was, I, I was pacing around the house. I remember I was pacing around the living room. My wife had already put the kids to bed. I probably woke them up because I talked. Y'all hear how elevated I talk when I'm preaching. I get like that on the phone. And she's like, can you just go outside or something? You're so loud. And so I'm on the phone. I'm telling them and I'm proclaiming God's word and uh, just talking about how God's going to heal them. I believe God's going to heal them. God's healing power uh, is going to touch them. And so I, I, I say all of that. And then I, I pray over them, pray a, a healing prayer. We, we, we stand in faith. And uh, I tell them, I say, listen. Paul in the Bible had a prayer cloth, and they would send, they sent cloths that were, that were um, off of Paul's wardrobe, and when it touched people that he never even, he never even touched, but they received that by faith, they were healed. And so I said, I want to send him a prayer cloth. I want to send him a prayer cloth. 
And he said, okay. I said, send me the address. Well, obviously, uh, he got busy or whatever and, and, and must have forgotten, which is okay, because when I got off the phone, I had a note of victory. And what I mean by that is on the inside, in my spirit, I felt like it was going to be okay. I just sensed that it was going to be okay. It was going to be okay for that family. We were going to get a good report. So I never wrote him back about the address because I just, I had that good sense in the, on the inside. And um, meaning in my spirit. And so on this past Tuesday, I wrote him and I said, hey, I'm checking in. I haven't heard anything. And here's what he said. I'm going to just read it to you because I wanted to come straight from these, these messages. Um, we used the church messaging system and I wrote them and I said, hey, how's the family member that I prayed for on the phone a few weeks ago? I'm just touching base. was thinking about you guys this morning. And he wrote back. He didn't say anything. He just sent the address like, oops, I forgot to send you the address. But that wasn't why I was writing. And, um, and he said, here's the address. But I think he's out of the hospital. He had to have a blood transfusion. And, and this was at 12, 16 p.m. This was also on a Tuesday. So I'm, I'm getting ready for uh, the, the teenager service, what we call YBY, the YBY service. I never responded back to him. And I had the address and I thought, okay, well, if he's having blood transfusions, tomorrow I'll get a prayer cloth and I'll send it to him. Well, at 6, 11 p.m., obviously he got to thinking about the family and he called and he checked up on them. And I hope you are watching today. If you are, let me know in the comments. But he says this at 6, 11 p.m. He said, my sister texts me. Listen to this. Listen. My sister texts me. They cannot find leukemia in his blood. So they have to do a bone marrow check. And if, they come, if that comes back negative, he'll be in remission. Praise God. So I went ahead, stirred by faith. I, I had the youth service, and I was pretty amped up at the youth service because I never responded to them, but I, I, I saw the message come through. And so I wrote them back at 9.51 p.m. They won't find anything. He's healed. He needs to start confessing he's healed. Jesus healed him. Praise God. I started with this today because today we're celebrating what happened on the day of Pentecost. I've read the story several times, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through Acts chapter 2 again. But several weeks now, we've talked about it, read through it, and what happened on the day of Pentecost was not just a, a, a historical event for that day. Those miracles that they saw in the book of Acts are still happening today. That's why I'm reading you these stories, telling you these stories, and these are just stories from our church. I like to listen to faith preachers and, and, and guys um, that are uh, evangelists and things like that because um, when, you, when you hear their stories, they go around and this stuff happens all the time. Media, if, if all you watch is news, you'd never hear this stuff because they, they tend to focus on the negative. But God is doing something in our nation. He's doing something in, in our churches. He's doing something right here. And that's why... Typically, you kind of build up to the point, but I'm going right to the point today. That this is why, this is why God sent us the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, on earth, we would just be, we, we would have salvation, we would have eternity, but we would have a very basic, uh, um, unlimited, I mean, or excuse me, a very limited ability on earth to do what we're called to do. But God, being God, had an unlimited power source 
in the Holy Spirit that he unleashed by sending his son to the earth to die for our sins, which prepared you and I to receive the Holy Spirit in our bodies and then unleashed an unlimited power supply If you think about the power grid that we're living in right now, that we live right now, there's a power grid that's applying power to this building. And and if if that were to go down, power would drop. We would not be able to live stream anymore. The lights would go out. We would all be sitting in the dark. The air conditioner cut off and all of you would start fanning. I'm still going to preach, so don't worry about that. But y'all be starting to fan yourself. Why? Because power is supplying all these things. But it's not an unlimited power source. It's limited. It's limited. It's limited by whatever um, power source from, from, from the dams that are around here and all the things that are, that are generating power, and then they supply this power grid. But God the Father unleashed an unlimited power supply in the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, he came so that you and I could operate in power on this earth. That for the remainder of your life, whatever age you're in today, you're still living. And the Bible says, with long life, I will satisfy you. Don't let any devil in hell tell you, oh, well, you could die tomorrow. And then, you know, I know, I realize the Bible says tomorrow is not promised. But that's talking about Jesus coming back. That does not mean that you have to wake up every day and think you're going to die today. You have to be prepared as if you could which means tomorrow's not promised. I have to be prepared as if Jesus could come back or I could die because tomorrow's not promised. However, however, the reason that death would come early would not be because God has taken me. It would be because of the devil, the world we live in, or some mistake that I would make. Because God said with long life, I'll satisfy you, and God can't contradict himself. With long life, I'll satisfy you. Well, why do people die early? Because of one of those other things I just mentioned. The world, the flesh, or the devil. Those things, we live in a world where things like that happen. But what am I trying to tell you? That whatever length of life you live, whatever remainder of life you have, you're not supposed to just meander randomly through life. Just hoping to barely get by. Hoping to maybe, well, maybe one day I'll get someone saved. Maybe one day I'll tell someone about Jesus. No, you're supposed to be so full of the power of God that you walk around, you go to your job, you go to the things that you're doing, you walk into a restaurant, you go into a whatever place. When you walk in the mall and someone's cussing and someone's being negative, they'll just, they don't even know why, but when you get around, they'll stop. Because there's something in you that's exuding out of you. What happened on the day of Pentecost was what Jesus breathed on them earlier and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So we know they had, but yet on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they were filled to the point that they overflowed. Which was a fulfillment of what Jesus told the woman, or excuse me, what he prophesied at the uh, festival of weeks, that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It'll flow. Everybody say flow. flow. There should be a flowing, there should be a fruit bearing and a flowing out of your life. There should be a fruit bearing and a flowing out of your life. Let me explain to you what I mean. There are two nines that have to deal with the Holy Spirit. Two sets of nines. Number one is the fruit of the Spirit. You might be familiar with this from uh, Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing to the church there, and he's telling them, the, 
The whole second half of this chapter, it's only six chapters. The book is only six chapters. You should read it. You can read it tonight. In the whole second half of chapter five, he, he's talking about walking in the spirit. Everybody say walking, walking. In, the spirit. in the spirit. In walking in the spirit, he tells them some pointers and then he, he, he is, is drawing a, a conclusion but, or a, um, a dichotomy, if you will, between sin and walking in the spirit or what he calls fruit of the flesh and fruit of the spirit. I'm going to turn over there. I only pulled in a couple of verses in my notes, and this is going to throw off the guys in the back, but we're going to read through the whole thing, this whole section. In verse 16, Galatians 5, 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit. Say it again with me. Say, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So if you walk in the spirit, it compels you or empowers you to not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I have people come to me all the time. Pastor, how do I overcome this? How do I fix that? I've got this tendency I keep doing. I have this thing that I battle with. I, this is one of my favorite, not favorite, but probably least favorite, but people say it all the time. My, let me say it this way. My most commonly heard statement. Pastor, I struggle with this. I struggle with such and such. And, and it's like we've got a bunch of struggling Christians when God said, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The solution that you're looking for was already supplied 2000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. And his name is the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 17 for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. Now, if you read different translations, like even some of the more modern ones, one of my study Bibles, they say you cannot do what you want to do. In other words, your spirit on the inside wants to do right. But when you when you walk uh, in the flesh, it's 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 uh, hindering you from doing what you want to do. So you have to walk. How? In the spirit. You have to walk in the spirit. Now, I'm going to tie this into the Holy Spirit in just a second. Y'all pay attention. But if you be, verse 18, if you are, I'm in King James. How did I get in King James? New King James is what I usually read. This is why this is reading. I'm like, this is not what I studied last night. Okay, here we go. Uh, verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Listen to the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong. Take that from someone who preaches a grace message and work that into your sermon. I'm not talking about biblical grace. I'm talking about the people that teach that, 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 that there's a grace where you can just live however you want and sin however you want and still do whatever you want and that you just, you know, it's not what I just read. That there's, there's, there's a, a walking that we're supposed to do. Now, 
First John tells us that when we sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And the Bible also tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I'm not talking about, okay, I mess up once or twice, but we're not supposed to be producing these works that I just read in our life. What are we supposed to be producing? What, what kind of fruit are we supposed to produce? Listen to what it says here in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. When you walk in the Spirit, you have an ability to control oneself. Which if you think about it, it goes back to the verse I just read you where it says you... When you're walking in the flesh, you can't do what you want, what your spirit wants to do. Because you have no self-control. When you walk in the spirit, you have self-control. Now, how does this have to deal with the, the day of Pentecost? You have to understand the difference between this nine and another nine works of the Holy Spirit that we read about in the New Testament. So these, just to recap, these are love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Before I go on to the next nine, notice uh, that it uses the word fruit. That God used the word fruit here. You are branches. That's what the Bible called us, branches. God is the vine. He's the trunk. He's the tree trunk. We are the branches. Where is fruit produced? Off of the branch, off of the end of the branch. That's where the fruit's produced. The reason that it does, see, I studied horticulture, so I know a little bit about this. The reason that happens is because from the supply source, from the roots, all of the supplies needed for the fruit come up through the trunk and go through the branch. And at that point, it hits the end point. And as it does, it begins to produce whatever the DNA of the tree, so to speak, it's not actual DNA, but that it's made to produce. If it's an apple, an apple comes out of the end of that branch. If you are walking in the spirit, out of your branch will come those nine things. It's, it's, it's inevitable when you fill yourself with it, when you actually, let me, let me say it this way. I wrote this down. The spirit produces this fruit in us. In other words, we produce this fruit by the spirit or by walking in the spirit. Walking, living in the spirit produces this fruit. You can produce this type of fruit by just being saved, having the Holy Spirit living inside of you or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Because he comes in and he makes you new on the inside of you. You are a new creature. But as I've pointed out over the last several weeks, this is now the promise part five. And, 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 and I didn't even do a good job setting up my sermon. The reason it's called the promise is because God, through Jesus, told the disciples to stay in Jerusalem because I'm sending you the promise. I was listening to Pastor Steve earlier. He made a good point. It was not just a promise. It was not one of my promises. It was the promise. I'm sending you the promise of the Holy Spirit. So what happened? They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to see the other nine gifts in operation. Turn, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is concerning spiritual gifts. So we saw the nine fruits of the Spirit. And I'm going to show you all how important 
having all 18 of these operating in your life will be. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Then he gets into talking about the gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Everybody say same Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Say same spirit, same God. Now notice in verse 7, very, very important that we understand and pay attention to how this is worded. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now stay there on the screens for just a minute. Manifestation of the Spirit. This, what he's about to talk about, and these non-gifts, we call them the gifts of the Spirit. These non-gifts of the Spirit that we see and that we're about to unravel a little bit. These were, were, were or he describes them as manifestations of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you see these, these aren't just fruit that you produce. Do you see the difference? This isn't just fruit that you produce because you have the Spirit of God who changed you on the inside. See, as you you get saved and the Holy Spirit renews you on the inside, and not, not just renews you, but makes you brand new on the inside, you become a new creature, the Bible says. So out of you should flow love, joy, peace. Do you see it? That's a fruit that you produce now that you're saved. You don't want to produce the other, what you did before. You don't want to be the type of person you were before. You want to produce a different type of fruit. You may have been a, what's a really nasty tree? You may may have been like a, a what? No, a bad tree. I was going to say like a, like, like now you're an apple tree, like a really good tasting tree or an orange tree, but you used to be like a, a, a fig tree. Because the only way figs are good is if they're fig newtons. <laughs> At least that's what I think. All right. This was like, I went, it was a better analogy in my head, but you used to be a bad tree, now you're a good tree. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm just going to move on. But here, this is different. This is talking about manifestations. Man, in other words, when you see these things, this is the Spirit of God manifesting Himself through somebody through the gifts, and notice what it says, for the profit of everyone. For the profit of everyone. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, let's look at verse, at verse 8. For to one is given the, here he starts to list them out, word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, here's number two, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues or diversity of tongues is how it says it in the King James. So in other words, tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. 
For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, everybody say one spirit. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now, I want you to notice. And earlier I said having all 18 gifts operate. I kind of misspoke there because in reality, you should have the nine fruits of the spirit, but, but you should be desiring that one of these or some of these gifts operate in your life you will most likely not see all nine because the Bible says that they are given to each one as he wills. Do you see that? Where he says, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So when we see these in operation, there's a manifestation of the spirit. Now, the reason I felt to teach this today is because I felt like there are some misnomers about these gifts. Number one that I want to just get right off the bat is when it talks about tongues here, this is the gift of tongues and interpretation. This is different than our heavenly prayer language or praying in tongues. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to come back to the nine and we're going to look at all nine of these gifts and I'm going to tell you why all this is so important. But if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What happens when you pray in tongues? Your mind is not producing fruit, your spirit is. God is praying on your behalf, he's praying for you, and that's why we pray in tongues. <clears throat> so what is the conclusion then? Verse 15, I will pray in the spirit, or pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. So what do we do? We do both. Now, if you read this whole chapter, Paul is talking some in 1 Corinthians 14. He's talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation. So if you read through this chapter in just one mindset, I'm talking about reading through 1 Corinthians 14, you would think probably, oh, well then, if I don't have an interpreter, I shouldn't pray in tongues. But notice what he says right here. What is the conclusion then? I will pray in my spirit and I will pray in understanding. And actually in verse 27 and 28, he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, there should be two or at most three, each in turn and let one interpret. But look at verse 28. If there isn't an interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. How can he speak to himself and to God? He's going to speak to himself in English and speak to God in tongues. He's saying that you can do that silently. See, some people want to just pull out the verse and say, oh, well, you have to have an interpreter. That's true if you're giving a tongue out for the edification of the church. If you are, if you are, that means that God's using, see, it's a manifestation of God's spirit. What did it say? Um, now, now I'm flipping back to where we were in 1 Corinthians 12. What did it say? For the profit of all. So one is my heavenly prayer language for me. Man, I'll tell you what, Paul in another place, he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I speak in tongues more than all of you. <clears throat> um, I, I'm not ashamed to be 
and I'm not talking about Pentecostal as a denomination. I'm not, this is a non-denominational church, but I am a Pentecostal, meaning that I believe in what happened on the day of Pentecost and I want it in my life. I don't believe it ceased then. I believe it's, it's for today and I believe it's for me. And if, if it was good enough for Paul, if it was good enough for Peter, it, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in the upper room. She was listed as one of the 120 in Acts chapter 1. If it was good enough for her, if she spoke in tongues, I'm good. So then, then why, we don't need to be afraid of trying to understand it. We need to understand it and apply it to our lives. Because if I want to have not only the nine fruits of the Spirit, but also have God use me to, or, or manifest himself through me, I need to be full of his Spirit. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Being filled with the Spirit was not. I've been saying this for weeks. This has got to be the core message of this, the promise group of teachings that I'm doing. That the promise was not just for Pentecostal people to speak in tongues and seem super spiritual. And, oh, I've got tongues and I've got this. But listen, if, if you're not allowing God to, if you're not taking the power he gave you and allowing it to help you in your life, then all you got is some super spiritual experience that's not going to help you much. No, but I want to, see, I'm praying in the spirit when I'm home alone. I did it last night. I walked around my house and prayed in the spirit. Actually, I walked around this church. They still had the previous event set up and it ended early. And because it ended early, they still hadn't cleaned up yet, but no one was here. So I came in and I walked around all the tables and chairs and prayed in this building. Because I wanted God's spirit to fall in this place and I don't know what they were doing in here before us. So I re-anointed it for service today. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that, amen? But, but anyways, um, I, what was I doing the most of the time while I, was, while I was praying? I was praying in the Spirit. I was praying in the Spirit. I was thinking before, notice how God works. This is, I wanna, I'm trying to give you why, why? Why is all this here? Why are these nine things listed in two different places? What's the point? Because as I was praying in the Spirit, what, what happened? I began to interpret what, what I was praying. And I, before I started praying, I was thinking about something I had done. I was thinking about something I had done. I had, I had um, given in an area. And um, out, out of my spirit as I was praying, I began to say in English, seed always comes back. Seed always comes back. Now, I'm just praying. I'm walking around praying. It's me by myself. But when that happened, when that came out of my mouth, I was encouraged in the flesh and in my soul. In my mind, in my, like, like I, was, I was encouraged because I, I, I was actually thinking, well, should I have done that? And was that the right thing to do? It was kind of a quick decision, but it was in my heart to do it. You know what I mean? It was that kind of, that's what I was thinking. Did I do the right thing? And then God came up, I mean, just came up as I was praying. Seed always comes back. Harvest always comes. That's what the statement was. I just, it just came back to me. Seed always comes back. Harvest always comes. And I must have said it 10 or 15 times, just right out of my heart as I was praying. Well, that was God speaking to me. Don't worry about it. You did the right thing and I've got you. Seed always comes back. Seed always comes back. Okay. So what is the point of these gifts? What is the point of all this? Three of them, there are three, there's nine of these gifts of the Spirit. Three of them say something. Three of them do something. And three of them reveal something. 
Three of them say, three of them do, and three of them reveal. The gifts of utterance are the ones that say something. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All of these are to be used uh, for edification of the church. If someone prophesies and it belittles or tears you down or goes against God's word, that's not prophecy. And prophecy is not about uh, um, um, seeing the future or, 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 or prophesying the future. Prophets did that in the Old Testament because they were called prophets. I don't even have time to get into all that. Lord have mercy. The point is, the point is that, that's, that that was Old Testament. What happened in the New Testament, what Paul is trying to teach us here, is that these gifts are how God works in all of us because what did he say right after this? We're all the body. There's not just one king now and one prophet and one anointed one and God's just using them, that it can be each one of us. And I can go, see, the reason I'm, I want y'all to catch this so bad is because you've got friends and coworkers and people that I won't touch. But you can take what I'm putting in you here and go there and say, man, listen, I don't know why I feel this way today, but I feel in my spirit that I need to tell you such and such. And then they begin to tell you, oh, you don't understand. My husband left me last night and I'm trying to put on a front and like everything's okay, but I'm devastated. and I don't know what to do. And you're going to have situations like that that happen in your life where you'll know that is a word of knowledge. When you know something that only God would know and he lets you in on it, that's a word of knowledge. That's one of the revelation gifts. So I told you three say something, three reveal something, and three of them do something. The revelation gifts are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. That is not, uh, um, you know, uh, looking into everybody's life. That's not discerning of, you know, it doesn't say, uh, you know, like, like all of a sudden I know everything about you and oh, oh well, I've got the gift of discerning. It's not called the gift of discerning of spirits or the gift of, it's called the, it's not called the gift of discerning of individuals married life or personal lives. You know, it doesn't mean that you can you can, oh, well, I can tell that person's got a such and such kind of spirit. No, it, what, what the, divert, the, the, the discerning of spirits is talking about is what Jesus did. You can take all nine of these and look at Jesus' life and see all of them in operation. When he sat with the woman at the well, how did he know she, didn't ha- or she had had previous husbands? Word of knowledge. He knew something that no one else would have known. She, she, had, she hadn't told him. No one else came up and told him. He knew, right? Word of wisdom is a word of what to do with that. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what to, to do with that, or that would be future related. Discerning of spirits, when Jesus went and he could tell when someone was dealing with the spirit, or that they were spiritual oppression, or they were spiritually possessed, they were demon possessed. And you'll know those kinds of things. I don't have time to get into all of that, but what are the gifts of power? The last three. Gift of faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. In the original Greek, every time this third one is mentioned, this third gift is mentioned, both gifts and healings are in the plural. Gifts of healings. 
Um, there's no such thing as the gift of healing. So it's gifts of healings. In other words, that when, when you see, see, I've, I've, I started with those stories to explain to you that God still heals today. That was the gifts of healings in operation. It wasn't me, and I want zero credit. I want zero credit. All, all I did was fast a little bit, pray a little bit, be led by the Spirit, know that, know, follow what God told me to do, share a verse with them that God put on my heart, get out the anointing oil, put it on my hand, and do what he said to do. He put it in the book. He put it in the Bible. He put God's Spirit into me, and he touched that woman, and that pain left her body. God wants to use us in a mighty and powerful way. He wants to use us today. He, he wants to, I, 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 I've t- let, me, let me read this last statement and then I'm going to wrap this up. Ready? Why, why, do we, why did we do all this? What, what is the, hold on. We can draw a conclusion as we study these two ninefold groups of the Holy Spirit's working in the life of believers. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is for fruit bearing. That happens to every believer. You get saved, Holy Spirit comes in, there should be fruit bearing. The infilling of the Holy Spirit, because when all of these gifts, we saw an operation throughout the books of Acts. Book of Acts. I've read them to you, and if I had time, I could go in and break up and say this one was that, and this was that, and all that. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is for service. The indwelling is for fruit bearing. That my love walk changes, my joy changes, my patience grows, my self-control is increased, fruit bearing, my life changes, something's different about her, something's different about him. They're acting different, they're talking different, they're doing things different, their life's a little different, fruit bearing. The infilling, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, the initial sign of it, we saw it all through the book of Acts, is speaking in tongues. But you're not filled with the Holy Spirit just so you can speak in tongues. That's part of it. But you're filled with the Holy Spirit for service. So that you, you have the, the power to go out and, do, and make a difference wherever you go and whatever you're called to do. I started by saying to you, listen, whatever job you have, whatever position you're in, believe in your heart. God put me there. God placed me there. He has a purpose for me. He has a plan for my life. Don't allow the devil to steal from you or think, oh no, he'll make you think, well, you're not good enough to do such and so, and you're not holy enough, and you're not righteous enough. That's not true because Jesus made me righteous. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. He died for me. He took my sins on the cross. He took my sickness on the cross. And he took my friends. He, that kid with leukemia in Florida who is going to go and have a bone marrow, whatever they're going to have to do, and the doctors say, well, we can't find anything. That kid's sickness was put on the cross 2,000 years ago. He doesn't have to have that today. We don't have to have sickness today. God doesn't want us to walk around sick. I see nowhere in the Bible where Jesus walked around sick, Paul walked around sick, Peter walked around sick, the apostles walked around sick. They were, they were, they had all of their needs met. When Jesus sent them out, he said, don't take anything. 
And when they came back, he said, how did it go? And they were telling him all the stories. And he said, did you lack anything? And they said, we lacked nothing. Because not only did they have everything they needed spiritually, but out of what happened in their life, God blessed them to have every, he'll bless you to have everything you need to do what you're called to do. Everything, everything I need. Um, If you guys will will, will prepare for the end of the service like we talked about, Darrell, thank you. Um, We're gonna gonna have the band come up and all that kind of stuff. But I want you guys to, to, to wrap your head around this. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, not just so you can bear fruit for you, not just so you can bear fruit for you. It is for that. And I thank God for that. I want all of us to increase our love walk, increase the things that, 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 that we need in our life. All nine of that fruit of the Spirit, I want to see them all. But it's also for service. It's also so that we can go out. And I, I guess God put this on my heart, and I feel like this is the culmination of what I've been talking about for so long. Because I don't want us to be a church that just comes and we have good, good Holy Ghost services and all that. I want us to go out and start. I mean, we've got several veterans. What's stopping us from starting a veterans ministry? And going, I mean, I mean, people who come and their, 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 their lives are in whatever st- state. Y'all, y'all are going to reach. You can talk to them in a way I can't. I'm not a veteran. Do you understand? But, but how great would it be to not, eat, to not just have, and I told, um, the, the, the nurse that, that got healed a couple weeks ago, I told her, because she's, she's a nurse and her husband's a nurse, I said, how great is it that your Holy Ghost-filled people, man, when I go and I see a nurse, and I hope I don't ever have to, but if I ever see a nurse and see a nurse, and I want it to be a Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, man, I want that type of nurse in my room or in, in whatever, you know what I mean? Some of you, have the opportunity to influence in a hospital where I can't. To influence at a, at a daycare center, at a college, wherever, wherever you are, where, whatever, wherever God's placed you. So I want everybody to stand up on your feet.